0: DTX Equals, where thought leaders in digital therapeutics put a stake in the ground on what makes DTX, DTX. With me today is Jorge Palacios, Chief Science Officer of Bright Therapeutics and formerly of SilverCloud Health. Jorge has been in his new seat at CSO for, I don't know, 30 seconds? How long has it been? (laughs)
1: A little bit more, I think about forty seconds. Yeah, officially. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah,
0: a little, a little bit of time, right? So, brand yeah. new in that seat. I'm so excited to be touching base with you today and uh, hearing a little bit more about your perspective on TTX. So, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's my pleasure, um, and uh, and I just uh, want to commend you on the pronunciation of my name. That is, oh, like
0: thank you, a top uh- tier,
1: <laughs> really. I've heard it all, so very good.
0: Uh, someone with a name like Acacia, you know, you you, you yeah, go right, to appreciate uh, being pronounced correctly. So glad yeah. I could be of service. Uh, <laughs> so let's dig right into it. So tell us a little bit about a formative event in your life or career that influenced your path into DTX. Uh,
1: yeah, um, well, um, I love that question because there's been so many, but um, um, look, I mean, so I'm not a psychologist, right? I, I never practiced psychology and I I didn't have my own kind of aha moment where I was like, oh, we need DTX in people's lives. You know, I don't, I'm not going to take credit for that. I think other people uh, paved the way and I'm just riding the wave, right? Um. So I was, I was formed in the traditional medical sense. You know, I I had the intense year of my internship, you know, not unlike what you uh, see on TV, you know, shows like gear and scrubs, that was me, you know? Um, but then I decided I wanted to do research instead of clinical work. And that kind of opened up my mind into, you know, instead of deciding, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I would listen and just look for exciting opportunities that came along, right? Like areas of research that I thought, oh, this looks cool. Right. Um, so I kind of became this person who said yes to everything, basically. So I wouldn't uh, know anything a, about <laughs> that. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> um, uh,
1: no, but yeah. I mean, if they asked me to collaborate on a paper, I'd be like, yes. Enter a three-minute thesis competition. Yes. Do a systematic review and get paid a very low hourly wage. Hell yes. You know. Um, and that um that eventually you know led me to uh, who became my first. Uh, manager in dtx who was derek richards um chief science officer at silver cloud basically you know we collaborated on this paper i'd never met him and he asked what are you going to do after your phd and i said i had no idea Uh, and he said well we've got this company called Silver cloud maybe you want to join and look essentially i haven't looked back since you know um and uh, and i've kept that mentality i i've just said yes to you know, anything that that was interesting to me, you know, um, I got involved in all aspects of the organization with product sales, marketing, customer success, and, you know, anytime they told me you want to present uh, at this event or that I was like, Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. Right. And that then led me to meet uh, Jenna Tregarthen, who's our fantastic CEO at, at Bright, and, and eventually to getting an offer to become their chief science officer, which I said a big yes to, and, you know, which I'm very excited about. So, Congratulations. You know, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's nice. It has a nice ring to it. But yeah, no, in summary, you know, to answer your question directly, it's not, I don't think it's one thing um, but it, it, it has been that mentality that has kind of just, you know, led me to where I am today, you know, um, but having said that, look, I do, I do think about the decisions I make, you know, like it is important to at least think about them enough that you won't don't have any regrets, you know, w- when you reach the other side you know because no like I would I would do this 10 times out of 10 because I thought about it enough right maybe it doesn't turn out exactly how I wanted to but I still wouldn't do it differently right
0: well, and you did go from Silver Cloud to Bright, so like you're sticking in a very similar area now of mental health digital oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. therapeutic. So yeah, like yeah, clearly yeah, there's yeah. something about it, right, that um that has there, you there in.
1: something there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what no, is it? Clearly, like what yeah, it, yeah. what
0: is it about it that um made you not do something totally different when you left Silver Cloud?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I just think it's a very exciting space. You know, um, I think. You know, and, and this is thinking back to my time at, at the Institute of Psychiatry in London, where I did my PhD, you know, it's just very easy to get excited about what's happening here, right? Like maybe other fields, you know, maybe have, you know, they've done decades of research and, you know, now like it's kind of like nitpicking as to, okay, what can we do now really where others are are much more in this you know teenager phase of you know this big growth spurt and you know like we don't know what we're doing but we just know that we want to grow into something and i mean dtx has gives me that feeling i mean you can like there is a lot of buzz in the air and and i know i mean i'm speaking plainly about you know the research and the science and you know everything that we have yet to discover i mean you know obviously there's there's some things about the industry that that have, you know, recently, you know, they've been kind of a gut punch to a lot of people. And so I'm not immune to that, but just as a researcher, it's exciting, you know, um, just from that perspective. So, yeah, no, I'm not going anywhere.
0: So I met you at uh, DTX West, right? So mm-hmm. I think, um, and you were really, really fresh into your role at that point, getting a sense yeah. of the overall field. So when I ask you this question, DTX equals what, right? Um, you have some uh, some more bird's eye view perspective than maybe you did mm-hmm. when you first took that one opportunity with Derek Mm -hmm. um shout out to Derek by the way cool guy (laughs) um that uh, you know you first took that opportunity now you've got more sense of the overall field right and now you're an executive in that field so DTX equals what to you what is the most defining issue in DTX right now
1: um yeah I mean this is this this is a great question I love that that your podcast is centered around it because obviously in in all honesty you know we could go in any uh in any number of directions here and. Who am I to say what's the most defining thing? But to you. definitely to you. one. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I was gonna say for me, <laughs> for me, what is key is um look, DTX is a land of opportunity for sure. Um, but you know, it's of great responsibility. And I think right now it is a lot about putting the right people in the room, both directly, the ones that are within the D- DTX, DTX, and those that are outside of it. And what I mean by that is I don't think there's enough bridges right now between founders and industry leaders and academics and the brick and mortar clinicians and provided. There's, there's just not. I, I think these worlds are still quite separate and siloed. And too often I have seen panels or webinars or entire events really where the makeup of the crowd is like 95% one particular group of people. And I am seeing a change, but it is small. And, um, you know, for example, I've, I've been to academic conferences for many years now. Um, and the last one I was at, purely academic conference, you know, in, the, in every traditional sense of the way, the professors, these, you know, old time classically trained professors, they were starting to ask questions about, okay, like this app or a product that we built, how can we commercialize it? Right, like, what do we do? And even though, like, it was they were asking very naive questions, right? Like, really, oh, right. Like, like you messed up a long
0: time ago. If you already have a program that's already been developed, and you're like, how do I commercialize that? Like, you <laughs> you yeah. got to turn. Do you have a time machine? That would help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, and that I mean, yeah, like it's rough, but it's true, isn't it? And and but it was just refreshing to at least hear something like that because at previous events. I, I promise this is this is not a lie. I would ask people, so what are you going to do? Like, this is amazing. The findings that you had, like you got this big grant, like millions of dollars were poured into this and you're presenting. So like, when can we see it? And the response is like, well, I mean, the grant money is over, so I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll right, The see university it. owns
0: the IP, so yeah, it's going to yes, sit in a file drawer somewhere. <laughs> die a slow
1: death. Exactly, exactly. And that was sad to hear sometimes because you could see that this had helped a lot of people but it was just never going to see a lot of day so they're starting to talk about it right and they're starting to invite people to talk about their career transitions etc and then you know at a recent industry event um, i heard a clinician saying a panel we need more clinicians here and we need more patients and we need more academics and so i was like yeah you know, a hundred percent we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for example, students of medicine still don't have anything regarding DTX in their curriculum. Um, they're still trained in the full traditional sense. And a lot of these students can be leaders and entrepreneurs without having to wait until they decide whether they want to do one or the other. I think you can be both. You know, I think you and I are examples of that. It's just, you know, we need, we need to bridge that gap a lot more. Because otherwise it's going to become an industry that's all about the commercialization, you know, and yes, we'll talk about it, but it will never really live up to its potential, I think. Um, So I don't know. I think that's a big, that's a big issue. Um, but I do have another one, (laughs) but I mean, what do you think there? I mean, do you agree? Do you not agree? Because I,
0: I think you've basically summarized how I ended up in industry. Actually, like I looked around and the labs that I, uh, you know, had access to, I'm looking and I saw millions and millions and millions of dollars of NIH funding poured into things that the IP is owned by the university and nobody would ever see again. And so like, why did we spend years showing like, did you know that you can prevent depression by teaching CBT preventatively? Well, there's no manual you'll ever see about that, but $3 million went into demonstrating it. Like, that's such a bummer to me, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. and that that is a reason to leave academia as opposed to academia changing to make it so you don't have to leave because of that problem, because that that problem shouldn't exist, right? Like, nobody should be building interventions without interacting with people that know how to build interventions and no and uh, that goes both ways right it goes that no no company should be building it without input from people that exactly. know clinically what needs to happen but also exactly. that clinical people should not be building it. i built the worst jankiest digital intervention of all time <laughs> for my dissertation and it worked if people used it but nobody used it cuz it was horrible and janky so like what did i just spend a year of my life doing right yeah, like yeah. Uh, uh, that was how i met um the co-founders uh who helped us build happify it's like they were sitting in the audience while I was like, "Why did I build this stupid intervention? Could somebody who knows how to build interventions please talk to me?" <laughs> and so then they came and talked to me. Um, but yeah, it's still this disjoint. Like I had to cross over to a whole other discipline to find those people, and presumably those people would have to cross over to find people like me. And like, like why? Why do it that way? That seems yeah. like a lot of wasted effort. Yeah, so yeah. I'm with you on
1: that one. <laughs> All right. So building bridges. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So we're, <laughs> we agree. Um, but then the other, the other one I did want to say, um, is this is something I preach about a lot too, is, you know, evidence and data, 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 but used in the right way. And, you know, the thing is, you know, data should be maximized, shared, understood, defined, et cetera, um, and evidence generation needs to be central to these companies, right? Like I do get the need to market and sell. But how can you sell something that you don't even know that people are going to, first of all, use and secondly, you know, benefit from, you know, I think that's crazy. And, you know, with all of this research and evidence, I think might come the humility too, because I think DTX companies and like tend to just report on the biggest percentage value, whatever it means, but like the closer to 100, the better as if, you know, that's real, right? Like, you know, yeah, like... I don't know, X number of users recovered, but in one circumstance, like there's not enough scrutiny attached to that. And, you know, it's fine if not everybody improves, right? Like if you look at the biggest, most expensive systematic reviews published in the highest impact journals, like the Lancet, they'll say antidepressants work what? 50, 60% of the time. CBT works 60, 60 75% of the time. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why do we want everybody suddenly from a detox world to love it or to benefit from it? That's just not gonna happen, right? Um, So there's always gonna be people who don't engage. Um, or who from the get-go engage a lot because they're just motivated to do it. But the trick is, is to find the people, you know, who, if you present the, the tools in a way that they do engage when in other circumstances they wouldn't have. So I think that's the cool thing that, you know, if you use the data in the right way, DTX products can help a huge number of new people, you know. Huge number yeah. of people in need. Those folks who would have never gotten have... therapy
0: would have never gone to the doctor, yeah. right? The, so it's it's yeah. a, a, an otherwise untreated population. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You know, I can add something to that too because I think you know it's not <clears throat> part of what prevents part of what prevents companies from doing this type of science is because there, in some companies, is a sense that this stuff is a secret. It's a competitive Mm. advantage that needs to be hoarded. And so they may do the research, but they don't want to disseminate it. And I'm like, oh, guys, like nobody's going to read your peer-reviewed publication and be like, well, we should make a thing just like that and catch up with you. Like, what is the danger in sharing some of these things? Like, it takes years to do this work. So, you know, the chances that somebody's going to read something that you say, and like, God forbid somebody read a detail in your study that helps the field move forward more quickly. But like, It's not all about, I mean, it's obviously about revenue generation and all of these things, but it's also about helping people as quickly as possible. And I think there's like a a trend in this field that maybe like 60% of people adhere to of just share what you know. There's the 60% again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, isn't that, it's like nothing's everybody, right? But like, you know, just share what you know. Mm -hmm. And then there's another 40% that's like, let me just hold this as tight to my chest as possible because they're my secrets. Like, Mm -hmm, how can mm -hmm. we how can we shatter that idea that there are secrets <laughs> i mean there are some secrets maybe like the the exact parameters of your algorithms that do some amazing thing and like how your ai chatbot is trained but like evidence data is not a secret
1: yeah and actually look they should that that's when we should draw a lesson from the academics because I mean, most academic papers and RCTs aren't generalizable anyway, right? And they're published everywhere and they're you know at conferences and there's committees and cross-committees from universities doing collaborations all the time. I think we should do that within the industry. You know, like why like, not collaborate plans- between...
0: Our academics, they want to see this stuff. It's like, it's just, I think most companies have not gotten so far down the line that they are not getting laughed off the stage for not having it yet, you know? But like, there's going to come a time where a bunch of doctors want to see published medical grade so That's
1: it. Like you're talking yeah. to the clinicians here and but yeah, yeah, right now it is a little bit of a case of how many RCTs do you have? How many RCTs uh-huh. do you have? I have two, I have three. Oh, well, then, you know, <laughs> um, there is a lot of like this, like, you know, weird competition. Um, but there should be a lot more collaboration, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, uh, final question, in your wildest dreams, uh-huh. what's something DTX will be able to do in the future that it can't do today?
1: <laughs> well, these are my wildest dreams we're talking about, right? Uh-huh. I mean, could go anywhere. Okay. Um, so, look, I mean, what 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 can it do today? A lot of things, right? But um, I think, yeah, wildest dream scenario... I, I mean, it's for me, it's a lot about um, democratizing healthcare, you know, like being able to offer the highest quality treatments to whoever, wherever they are, you know, that would be amazing, like truly transform the healthcare industry in general. You know, I think DTX can be an extension of the clinician's helping hand. Clinicians are doing amazing work in all over the place, like they can be in the most rural community. You know, I was formed in Mexico and part of Europe you know, your formative years, you go to a community, which, you know, no vehicle can get to. It's on top of a mountain and like food gets delivered by helicopter. And yet there's a doctor there doing the hard labor. Right. But how can we get DTX products to help this guy out? You know, this, this doctor out, um, and also, you know, the large scale clinics at the same time. And, you know, I I also have read a lot on that transition from inpatient to outpatient therapy and care and how can DTX fit in there? Like, how can it be that extension of the positive treatment? You know, the connection between each visit to the clinic, what happens in, in between? I think DTX can be the glue. That, you know, in itself would be a massive win, right? Like, I think, you know, personalization and innovation are, are very nice and I get excited about thinking about how you know through AI and machine learning we can predict, you know, with high accuracy, make predictions that help clinicians make better decisions, right? Like, you know, this is going to sound cheesy, but if DTX can make clinicians be better versions of themselves, then that'd be amazing. If we can say that in the future, that'd be amazing because then it encompasses everything that we've talked about, right? Like collaboration, you know, for the mutual benefit of you know the clinicians and the patients. So. You know, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of um. An, the answer went all over the place, but I think that's more or less what I'd love to be able to look back on in five years and say, yeah, we truly made a difference. We're not talking about the same issues, you know, um, so we'll see. Very
0: interesting, interesting stuff. I agree. You know, I think um, it's consistent, too, with what. What FDA says uh, about this Mm -hmm. kind of thing, it's that, you know, if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk about um, creating software that can do what a clinician does start by showing that you can help the clinician do what they're doing um, or supplement or be adjunctive to that. Um, and from mm. there, maybe we can think about ways to kind of like create standalone therapies. But I, I think, you know, the the zeitgeist is very much to think first about how we can uh, how we can work alongside clinicians. And you can't do that without clinicians. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> seems seems crazy, important crazy
1: thought right but yeah, yeah, yeah. oh i
0: know i know <laughs> well that's all the time we have thank you so much for joining me um jorge palacios uh here on dtx, <laughs> DTX equals DTX. i just thank wanted to you. say it again you know i i like to <laughs>
1: anytime, I like anytime. To flex well, we need to be on more panels you need to host me on a couple of panels so you can see yeah right
0: i'll again. yeah I, so i can announce it properly I'm, i'll make <laughs> yeah, it yeah. happen um
1: no but thank you so much this was great i wish you know uh, we had more time but um uh Uh, But uh, yeah, just good luck on the podcast in general, because I'm sure there'll be plenty of awesome conversations that you'll be able to share on here. So yeah, great stuff.
0: Thank you.